Hi everybody and welcome to today's event which is called The Power of the Small Conversation. Today is Time to Talk Day. So myself Mary Garrity and fellow members of the Trinity Ability Co-op thought it would be important to start a small conversation about our mental health and how we can find ways to improve our well-being so we can live better lives and support each other through this through what is a really difficult time in our society. We as students with disabilities and mental health conditions want to try and break down some of the stigmas around people's mental health so that we can have an open, honest conversation about how we are feeling without judgment that is supported by only kindness and compassion. Our hope is that our listeners will get something valuable from this conversation that might help them then start a conversation with a loved one, a friend or a fellow student about their mental health. But most of all, we hope our small conversation will help our audience to know that they are not alone and that we know what it's like to struggle with mental health problems because struggling with your mental health is a very human condition and feeling low or anxious is normal and even more so in these uncertain times. So sit back and relax as the Trinity Ability Co-op lean in to the power of having a small conversation about our mental health and 10 ways to try and improve well-being. This podcast contains discussions about people's mental health. It also contains discussions about trauma, alcohol, addiction and food. Please enjoy. Hi everyone and again welcome to today's episode of the Trinity Ability Co-op podcast which is called The Power of the Small Conversation. Myself, Mary Garrity, and fellow, fellow members of the Trinity um, Ability Co-op have come together today because it's time to talk day, and we want to join the rest of Ireland and other parts of the world in having a conversation about our mental health, which I think we can all agree is important in all times, but maybe even more so in light of the fact that we're in a chord lockdown and students' mental health is being put under strain maybe like never before. So first up, I would like to invite my fellow members of the Ability Co-op to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what mental health means to them and why they believe having a conversation about your mental health is so important. So I'd like to invite Mick first, if you would like to tell us a little bit about, you know, introduce yourself and maybe tell us about what mental health means to you and why you believe talking about it is so important. Thank you, Mary. Um, mental health is extremely important. You know, I think the big problem we have within society is we don't treat mental health as health. You know, it's very much kind of the poor cousin of the health service. You know, there's no parity of esteem. So a lot of the time when people are struggling with their mental health, they're afraid to open up and to talk about how they feel because they're worried about what people think. Yeah, I think that's so, so right, you know. I definitely believe that, you know, just even starting a conversation, it just breaks down that stigma um, around mental health. So, Harry, um, if you'd just like to introduce yourself, um, you know, maybe talk a little bit about what mental health means to you. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a third year student, uh, and a I'm an MSA student, so that's business and computers. And mental health to me, I mean, man, honestly, like all through secondary school, I didn't have a clue what mental health was. And even really until I'd say, Four, five months ago, so yeah, about six months ago, is when I really started becoming conscious of my mental health. Mm. And man, I've seen, I've seen, like, I've seen my life just the quality of my life has improved, like noticeably when I started noticing my mental health and kind of being mindful of it and like 
just, you know, yeah, treating it, being conscious of it and acting accordingly. So mental health to me, it's still a mystery. I still don't really understand it. It's a lot easier to understand nutrition and exercise. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about nutrition and exercise, like that's a little bit what we're what we're going to go into later on in the conversation. But for me, I would just like to say, like mental health, as you both were saying, for a long time, I didn't really understand. And I think what Mick was saying about like not really understanding as being a part of health, the whole person, you know, you know, when you're sick, you have a cold, you know, you treat that. But usually with mental health for me, I didn't really recognize the kind of signals when my mental health, I was struggling with it. And I was diagnosed a few years ago with um, generalized anxiety disorder. And since then, I've kind of become much more aware of my own mental health and found ways to kind of help improve my own well-being. But um, so the cope, like we were having a little discussion during the week and we were talking about some ways in which we can improve our well-being. Um, so I thought maybe we'd like, you know, go through a few of them today and see, you know, just ways in which we can actually improve mental health and well-being. So the first one I have on my list here is talking about your feelings. Um, and I would just like to invite yourselves maybe to talk a little bit about how important that is for your mental health or, you know, do you struggle with it or is something that you, you know, you find easy to do? So maybe Harry, you'll start us off. Sure. Uh, talking about your feelings, it's so good to, to get it out. Um, I've been talking to the, the student counseling service, which is a free service for students in Trinity. I meet up with a therapist for 45 minutes, once every two weeks. And it's great, man. You start asking questions and you start connecting dots in your life that you never would. Stuff like, oh, like you realize, oh, yeah, my workload has gone up a lot with college and with extracurriculars. And I'm also more, more kind of, what's the word, kind of edgy, kind of snappy at people. So they would help you draw and those kind of things, talking about it. What I found massively helpful for me is journaling. So I journal like about twice a day, not always, but about twice a day in the morning and the evenings. And I find that massively helpful. I start writing out my thoughts and then I start realizing how they like don't make sense. Like I, I was on a group project with a friend and this is one of my best friends. He, he really is. I've like two or three friends I've called. I'd be as close with as him. And on this group project, we were working together. And for some reason in my head, I was kind of building up this image of like, oh, he hates me. Like he's making me do all this work. Because he'd be sending me work for the group project to do. I'm like, oh, this, this whatever. And I didn't like him. And, and then I started writing it out. And then I started realizing like, this is my friend. He's just, it's a group project. We all just want to get a one-one. So writing out your thoughts and yeah, talking about them. Yeah, yeah they're just so important to get them out on paper and think about that's so yeah i think you're really right there and make just like if you'd like to come in and maybe how do you feel about talking about your feelings you I, I'm all, I, I don't i i um i never stop talking about how i feel and to almost to the detriment to my own uh uh you know friendships like my friends like they they, they they're, they're very understanding now because they know kind of more about my own mental health and my struggles and my battles with mental health you know for a long time I battled with it you know I didn't talk about how I feel felt it you know I never addressed any trauma that I was experiencing um and I, I bottled up a lot about uh, a lot of a lot of um of how I felt and 
you know, talking about your feelings can help you stay in, stay, you know, in good mental health. And, 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 and you know, for me, it helped me, enable me to deal with times when I felt like I was struggling a lot of the time, you know, and, you know, like, as I said earlier on, it's not a sign of weakness, you know, it's part of mm. taking charge of your well-being. And, and it's a great way that you can stay healthy. You know, uh, you know, for me, one of the simple things I, I do is like if I'm feeling down or depressed, I pick up the phone, I ring my GP or I speak to someone in the disability service or, you know, or I organize a counseling session with my um, with, with my therapist, you know, because it's so important to kind of really take personal responsibility for mm-hmm. your mental health. Because the, the end of the day, no yeah. one's going to fix you. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. How you feel is perfectly normal, mm-hmm. but it's it, but it's enabling us to develop the skills we need to kind of overcome, say, some challenging moments within our life. Yeah, I think yeah. both what you're talking about there just resonates so much with me. And um, I think, Harry, first of all, when you were talking about like that, like, you know, almost talking to yourself when you're journaling and watching your own feelings and having that kind of inner dialogue, because I know it may sometimes the narrative I have in my head can be a very negative one, you know, and it'll tell me, you know, I'm not good enough or, you know, if I'm particularly anxious, it will like say to me, don't go out or things like that. So I think journaling, I've done that a bit as well. And I really helped like just to kind of watch um, almost consciously what I'm saying to myself. And it really makes me rationally then think about what, you know, that in our conversation and also make like just so much what you're saying there, like around, you know, I've, I've, for a long time, I didn't speak about my mental health with family members or with friends because I was embarrassed or ashamed and I didn't want to feel like that person that was maybe, you know, just negative or moany, you know, that way. So, but now I feel like it's it's so important. And sometimes when you talk to a friend and tell them how you're feeling, it opens up that conversation for them maybe to be able to share then and say if they're struggling a little bit. So I just think the more we normalize talking about our feelings and our mental health, the better, um, you know, just the better we can all support each other. And especially, you know, during these really, really difficult times um, where we're all quite isolated, I think conversations and talking about our feelings is even more important. So yeah, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Um, we're just gonna move on to another kind of, little bit what you were touching on there, Harry, about um, eating well and nutrition. And I really think this really plays into, um, you know, my mental health and it's probably, if I'm eating well, it's a really good indicator that I'm looking after my mental health. You know, it's kind of one of those four signs, you know, I'm eating well, I'm exercising. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about maybe how your diet plays a role in your well-being. And um, maybe Mick there, you're smiling away there. So maybe you would like to start us off and how you feel. My like- diet at times is shit. I'm not going to lie. It is probably not the best diet in the world. I know if anyone follows me on social media, they'll see I probably eat about, I'd say maybe four or five portions of roast potatoes during the week. You know, and I'm not exactly the most healthy. And I, and they're, they're done with goose fat. Do you know what I mean? We're not scrimping here on the, the calories. But, you know, you're, you're so right when you say kind of, you know, what we eat is almost a reflection of, you know, of how we're feeling. And the times mm-hmm. when I'm feeling, feeling down, when I'm feeling depressed, when I'm feeling rubbish, and I just want to lock myself away from the world because it's shy. You know, we're in a third lockdown now. And, you know, we can't even go to the pub for a pint. 
you know, Michal Martin and, and Leo Fracker are, you know, saying all sorts to instill hope within society. And we're just like, we're not buying it now, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go and get a bag of chips and sit in the corner and cry. And like, <laughs> but it's like, for me, you know, when I do eat healthily, when I, you know, when I do kind of go through those phases of kind of smashing, you know, the broccoli and the ghost cheese and the, the smashed avocado and poached egg, um, with the chili flakes, uh, with the with with the girlos, um, you know, yeah, so you you are what you eat, you know, what you put into your body, you get out of your body, and you know, I do, you know, there are strong leaks, strong leaks between what we eat and how we feel, you know, for example, caffeine and sugar can give us an immediate effect, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, you know, buzzing, you know what I mean? When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to any red lemonade because I wrecked the gas. So, but food can also have a long-lasting effect on our mental health. So it's really important to get those vegetables in there. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, I always try and try and throw in a lot of cabbage or broccoli or mm. peas or cauliflower within anything that I am eating because you know because I I found from eating more vegetables even in my diet I feel a lot better. You know? Yeah. And um, thanks, Mick. Yeah, I think relate to so much what you're saying there about like mood and food. Like they just go together, don't they? So much red lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Harry, I know you love your food. I've heard you talk about food a lot. So like, how do you think food? Um. I know you're really conscious of your, you know, how you eat and nutrition. So how do you think like eating well plays into like feeling well-being or maybe the other side of that, like not feeling so good in your diet? Um, well, for me, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that food, well, food isn't my coping mechanism. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't find that if my, my eating gets worse when my mental health gets worse. But it's kind of like the other way around. Like if I start eating crap just because I'm lazy or because I just like I don't have access to the good foods, I will find my, my motivation, my mood, that all drop. So I find it's a great way when I'm in a bit of a rut, I can take myself out of that rut by, you know, putting together a good meal with plenty of veg, plenty of meat, more 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 veg than meat and a bit of fruit. And so, yeah, I, I find it's a good way to refresh myself along with exercise as well. I suppose they go hand in hand. I, I find that those two things are a great way they can just without even fixing any of the problems that I'm worrying about in my head, I can just, I just feel fresher and I feel better. And that's a lot of times that solves it for me. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I feel exactly the same way. I feel like with food with me, I, you said there, you don't use it as a coping mechanism. And I think I do. I think I always have, um, as a, as a young child, like, you know, I would have, um, you know, loved sweets and loved chocolate and loved crisps and all those kind of things. And I think as I, as I got older, I used it as a way to almost um, self-soothe, you know what I mean? So if I'm feeling a bit down or a little bit anxious, you know, I will eat food. Maybe that's not so good of me. And that's why I said, like, it's a real indicator for me if I'm not really in a good place, if I start reaching for, you know, foods that are unhealthy. But on the flip side of that, I know the benefits of eating a healthy diet and how much, like, as you were saying, it doesn't fix any problems, you know what I mean? It doesn't change maybe some of the, the issues that we're facing in life but what I think for me what it does is it gives me like the the feeling of actually healthiness and just being able to cope more with those problems because I'm not lethargic I'm not feeling bloated I'm not feeling like you know just a little bit sluggish when you eat all those kind of unhealthy foods so for me it's very much tied in on an emotional level 
level and also on a real practical level, eat better food and you'll feel better, you know. Um, so I just want to move on to the next one, which I think is a really, really important one for well-being and, you know, for maybe combating um, times when we're struggling with our mental health is keeping in touch. So and even though it's very hard at this time, you know, we're in a lockdown, we're being told to not see many people. But, you know, we found other ways, obviously, through lockdown to do that. And um, so keeping in touch with people, like reaching out to people, how important is this? for years and maybe Mick if you can lead us on this one yeah like you know it's so important to keep in touch with loved ones you know we're, we're you know we're social creatures we love to chat we love to gossip you know we love to get the you know what's going on in, in, in college and campus and you know who that trend their post is about you know we all want to know all these you know all these vital things but you know Let's be honest, sometimes it can be a pain in the hole, you know, like initially when the forced lockdown started, Zoom quizzes were amazing, you know, we were like, yeah, I'll see you there, yeah, I'll bring my own drinks, and then after like the tour, when you're like, this is, this is, I'm not, not going to lie, this is fucking, and this is annoying me now, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm going to just run away, and you know, I'm not going to deal with anyone now, and then we kind of became antisocial and locked ourselves in, and stopped kind of maybe you know, reaching out. But I do think, you know, friends and family can make you feel included and cared for. And it's really important to kind of understand that because they can offer kind of different views from whatever's going on inside your own head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they can help you keep active and keep you grounded and help you solve practical problems. And I think that's one of the big things when you're looking after your mental health and if you're struggling with your mental health, especially, mm -hmm. you know, it's really important to keep those contacts going. You know, yeah, even if they are annoying yeah. you know it's so important to keep them uh going you know what i mean you might not want it yeah you might not want it but the reality is you know people care about you people love you mm -hmm. and there's no shame in reaching out and sending a text even to that annoying friend you don't even like you know <laughs> and go oi fancy a socially distanced walk i would love to catch up over the phone would you like to Zoom? Yeah, I know I hate it. I know what I said. But yeah, I'd love to catch up and chat yeah. because I really need to talk to someone about how I feel. You know what I mean? So it's really important to kind of keep in touch with friends, family, or even, even again, you know, from an academic perspective, your, 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 your tutor or a disability service. You know, if you feel like you can't open up to your friends and family about what's going on, you know, it's confidential service, you know. Yeah. Use it. It's free. I think what you're saying is so important because I like I like because this is how I feel about it. You know, I don't always want to keep in touch. You know, I don't always want to reach out, but I know how important it is for my mental health to keep those connections going and keep them kind of strong. So, yeah, Harry, how do you feel about keeping in touch? Is this something that you just do naturally or, you know, and can you see the benefits of it for your mental health is like, you know, having that network of people around you that you can speak to? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't come naturally. Um, I, I, I'd echo a lot of what Mick said. Like, it's so important to be proactive. Like me, I'm autistic, so I'm like I'm, I'm naturally anxious. And um, and then when you're anxious, you you kind of like you're like, oh, am I annoying him? Do you want to talk to me or whatever? I, I look weird if I text him and all this stupid shit. When once you write down, you realize it's stupid. So it's so important to just be proactive and like 
I'm lucky like when I was in secondary school I I just think you kind of naturally build up a social circle it's kind of school just kind of happens by itself and at sports and whatever and then when I moved to secondary school at college I moved to county as well from Cork to Dublin and I I had to be proactive and make it and I didn't and I suffered at the start and I learned how to be proactive you know how to text people if they wanted to meet up and I've been able to carry that into lockdown now it's so important to just text people for a phone call Mm. and meet up with your friends for a social distance walk which is allowed under the lockdown restrictions with one other household it's so important because you don't want to it it pushes yourself out of your comfort zone you don't kind of want to do it but you're always i'm always so happy after that i've done it so yeah being proactive push yourself out of your comfort zone like not everyone is as lucky as me they have have great friends i have my parents i have my girlfriend i also have disability service like there are some people that don't have any of that man and yeah. uh, you, you have to build it yourself and it, it's it's hard man and it push yourself out of your comfort zone and at the start it's not nice but it's just one of the best time investments you can make yeah. that's a really good point you made harry about some people don't have that family or supportive network and i think it's really important for any students on campus that are experiencing that to reach out you know to us at the Ability Co-op, the Disability Service, or even your tutor, because there's no shame in asking for help. That's what your tutor is there for, yeah. you know? So if you are struggling, reach out. The tutor will signpost you. But if you feel more comfortable talking to us or the Disability Service, we're here for you. Yeah, that's really important. And thanks, both of for highlighting that, because I think we can all assume um, that we have, like, if we have family or friends, that we have... Um, that we can go to and talk to and keep in touch with when we're feeling like down, then it could, we can assume that other people do and that's not always the case. So thank you both for highlighting that because I think that's a really important um, way of including people, you know, that if they don't have somebody, they there's other people you can reach out to that are there to support you um, in Trinity College um, and we are included in those group of people. So yeah, I just want to touch on a little bit for me. Keeping in touch is really important for me as well. Um, but I, because I have generalized anxiety disorder, I'm kind of naturally want to isolate. Um, so I'm like, I'm built to kind of want to like, you know, just not talk to people or not answer the phone. And I know that when I when I do um, actually reach out to friends or family or talk to people, I always feel so much better. So I try and do it. Like I almost have to like put it into my schedule. Like I'll have on my phone, ring, ring dad or ring mom or ring your sister, you know, um, or ring my son. He lives in Thailand. Like all those things, I have to put them in. So I have to make sure that I actually do reach out and talk to people because for me, um, I just like a lot of the time, I want to isolate and I know that's never going to be beneficial to my um, mental health. So I think what you were saying, Harry, as well, like, you know, just I know when I do, it, I'll feel so much better for it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to touch a little bit on that. So our next one is, um, which I think is, you know, it's a great one. It's um, so especially with academically, you know, we're all working so, so hard. You know, we're all really trying to, you know, get the best grades and we're working under really difficult circumstances, you know, online, you know, we're not seeing our friends, we're not seeing our lecturers. So this one is called, is um, taking a break. So how do we, how do we think that taking a break really um, helps our mental health and our well-being, and especially as academic students? So um, maybe um, 
Mick or Harry or whoever would like to yeah. get to stop this. Yeah, I think I think like taking a break is so important, especially you know one of the big things in our discussion and one of our meetings there last week or a few days ago was kind of around academic fatigue and and, and you know one of the big things kind of to ensure we don't burn out and to keep our brains ticking and just also kind of just take that parents' responsibility to change the this you know the pace you know what's going on around you it's, it's quite good it's, it's it's okay to take five minutes away from your laptop you know it's not the end of the world if you go for a half an hour walk or in my case to the chip or to get a bag of chips and a kebab do you know what i mean like it's not the end of the world you know we can do that you're still going to get your assignments done you know what i mean just look after yourself that's all i would say do you know what i mean because like you know even if you kind of look at kind of making a plan with a mate and going like where would we go today you know, what will we explore? Whoever's in your support bubble, you know, a few minutes can be enough to just de-stress you, you know, mm. from the the pressures of, you know, the pressure of the assignments that you're facing at the moment, you know, or the 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 the, the or the, the pressure of just going into the, a toured lockdown. Yeah. You know, get outside, bit of fresh air, do you the wall to go. I actually come back from walks hyper. Like I've just done two liters of TK red lemonade. I'm just you know going to do twenty laps around the house. I've only I've only walked twenty minutes up the road, <laughs> and I come back to the house and I'm just right. That's it. Come on, let's go. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's what I recommend. Just just get out there and you know don't be afraid to take the breaks. Yeah, so important. Yeah. What about yourself, Harry? How do you feel about taking breaks? Oh, I think it's yeah, so important. Like. Like I was lucky, I was locked out at home with a dog that needed to be walked three times a day. So that forced it on me. And man, it was the most beneficial thing for my productivity, which is crazy, you know, when you kind of think about it, like not working, but like, it's so important. Like even like two nights ago now, I was drinking with my roommates. And I woke up after five hours, been hungover. I, I woke up, I kind of, like I started working, I did about two hours work. I realized I feel like crap. I took a 30 minute power nap. And I was more productive yesterday than I am on most days. And if I hadn't taken that power nap, I wouldn't have been as productive. So like, it's so important, like, as in like working, but also taking care of yourself so that when you are working, you're at a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's that balance, that balance. And like, in my opinion, you can really, you should really only spend like max, like eight hours a day working. And to be honest, I, I, I rarely work more than four. Yeah, and like spend the rest of the time, you know, working out, exercising, cooking yourself up a nice meal, spending a bit of extra time to make it look pretty, you know, mm-hmm. all that Very stuff, well, you know, like playing guitar if you like that, or drawing, all that stuff is so important, and yeah. you should be spending as much time on that than working, if not more. Yeah, I love that connection that you've made to, um, you know, how taking breaks, both of twitching, <laughs> how taking breaks is actually really beneficial to productivity like for actually doing better work and and I think for me I really struggled with this um in my first semester uh, at Trinity like feeling like that if I took a break like my whole academic world was going to fall apart and I was going to fail and I really worked um, closely with my um with my disability officer to kind of really understand that how taking a break, like, you know, to go for a run or spend time with family or, you know, before lockdown was really important to my academic work because I was burning out so quickly. And what I found was there was after a certain amount of time of working, that prolonged work and work and work and, and I just wasn't productive anymore. 
So I really learned to realize, and what that was having then was on having a really, really strain on my mental health and um, really making me feel just very anxious all the time because I wasn't taking time. And now I've set up a nice routine. Like I meditate in the morning, you know, I'll always make sure I get out for a walk. I bought a bike. So I'm doing it like, you know, a bit of cycling through the local um, woods here in Santry. So things like that of like, I realize now they're really important to my mental health and to my academic work. So yeah, I think that's so important. Um, so the next one we have here, which is so interesting. I really like this one. Um, you know, cause I think it means different things to different people, but you know, how do we link our mental health with accepting who we are as people? So maybe Mick, you'd start us off with that one. Like, what does that mean to you to accept yourself and how this is linked to how your well-being and your mental health? Yeah, thanks, Mary. I think for me, for a long time, I never accepted who I was. You know, I refused to accept the fact that I was homeless as a child. I refused to accept the fact that I had bipolar or refused to accept the fact that I had PTSD. Yeah. Now I wear like an armor. Because I tell you what, when you take that and you accept that, it doesn't matter what you're going through because at the end of the day, it's you. You own it. You know, it's your diagnosis, it's your lifestyle choices, whatever it is, you own it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us make people laugh, some of us are good at maths, others cook fantastic meals. Some of us share lifestyles with with the people who live close to us, others live very different lives. We're all different. But I tell you one thing, when we own it, when we accept it, it is like, it's almost like you're bulletproof because it doesn't matter what people say about you. You know, they can say, they can take a talk whatever they want about you. You know, but we wear that like armor. It won't drag you down. If anything, it, it, it makes you more, you know, resilient to life around you you know i know especially for me you know having a bipolar diagnosis i certainly had to kind of develop skill sets to kind of to ensure that i have stability in life you know Mm -hmm. and and acceptance was a big part of that because i think a lot of the time you know people with serious mental illnesses you know you know they get uttered don't Mm -hmm. go over talking to him he's mad He's a bit crazy, that fella. But here he licks windows. And you'll hear all this kind of negative stigma that's attached to kind of, you know, people with mental health issues. But the reality is people with mental health issues can live a life of stability and recovery that enables them not only to ensure that they engage with their community mental health team and their mental health professionals and manage their medication effectively, but they're also able to study an undergraduate degree in Trinity College Dublin. Mm-hmm. So what I would say to anybody in, you know, on campus or anyone that's listening to this, you know, student or staff member at the college, there's no shame in it. Accept it. Yeah. And wear it like armor. Because that's what I do every day. You know what I mean? And if anyone wants to say X, Y, and Z about you, let them. Yeah. Smile. Because at the end of the day, you're stronger, you're better, and you've overcome a hell of a lot worse than that. I yeah. love that. I love that. That was amazing, Mick. Thank you so much. Um, what about yourself, Harry? How do you do you find it easy to accept who you are? And, you know, as Mick was saying, owning it. And do you think that helps you maybe achieve better well-being and mental health? Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that it's probably like I've gotten 
like about two months ago, I was having like a quarter life crisis. Like I had like no motivation to do anything. I was literally just in bed. I was like, what will I do? And I just couldn't figure out why. And I think there was a bunch of things I did to kind of get myself out of that rut. And one of those kind of like accepting who I was. Mm. Like I, I wished I was a person that would work. I could work 16 hours a day. And I treat myself like that, but I'm not. You know, mm. like if you're pretending, you're just lying to yourself and you're not going to get anywhere. Like when I realized that I can really only do like about four to six hours of productive work a day, like on a computer, and like I started accepting things like, like I have a short attention span and I need to work and I need to exercise the same way I put to the gym to build muscles. I need to like meditate to build that focus muscle. And when I said, when you start really accept, accepting yourself and being real with yourself and being honest with yourself, you, you'll you're because my contentment with life has gone up a lot and as a result then my productivity and all that have all gone up and listen there's nothing you should be embarrassed by like I'm embarrassed by a lot of things about myself like I've been rejected by girls on insta and in clubs and I've been in lectures and I've confidently said the completely wrong answer to questions and all of this and and of course I'm still I think about it and I cringe but there's nothing to actually, when you think about it, there's nothing to actually be embarrassed by about those things. They're human. Everyone makes those mistakes. And it comes back to what you were saying, Mary, about that self-talk. Mm. Is when I think about those times, I used to say like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so stupid. Mm. I'm so stupid. Whereas now I say, oh, I'm flawed. I'm a human. I didn't understand this at the time. And, and now I am better and I'm bigger and I'm stronger because of it. So yeah. it's so important that self-talk, it, t- it ties into it. And then being honest with yourself and loving yourself and all of that and just being real yourself and really like knowing who you are. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much, both of you. It's like that is really, you know, and I would echo so much of what both of you said there. You know, for me, um, it's been a long, long road to accepting myself, you know, a really long journey. Um, you know, I'm a mature student, I'm 42, and, you know, I've spent a lot of, a lot of years feeling really low self-worth and low self-esteem, um, and, you know, I was, I went through school with undiagnosed dyslexia, so I really felt like what you were saying there about feeling stupid and not worthy and, you know, not being good enough, and I suppose over the last number of years, I've really kind of started to work on myself and started to, like, you know, just spend a lot of time on building my own self-esteem and watching that and that that narrative that I have told myself for many, many years, like I'm, you know, I'm not intelligent, I'm not bright, I'm not good enough. That has like changed so much over the last few years. And even more so since I've started to um be involved with the ability co-op, especially around my mental health condition and around my dyslexia, like you you people have really helped me to understand that like it's okay you know to have these different um, challenges in life and even accepting like where I'm at you know days where I'm not feeling good that's okay accepting that you know I do have limitations when it comes to reading or maybe writing that you know giving myself enough time to do assignments all that is a part of accepting who I am my strengths and sometimes my I wouldn't say weaknesses, but I would say challenges I, you know, have due to maybe different things like my generalized anxiety disorder or my dyslexia. So, yeah, I, you know, it's just great listening to you and hearing your perspective on those things. It's 
yeah, it's inspiring. But um, so the next bit, you know, is really a close one that's very close to my heart. Um, and I know how much it influences my own well-being, even though I have this really tenuous relationship where like I know. So it's keep keeping active, you know, and I know when I keep active and I exercise, my mental health automatically improves. But, you know, I don't always do it, you know. So I'm just wondering, how do you feel like keeping active um, plays into your well-being and your mental health? So. Yeah, like I think for me, you know, getting outside and going for a walk or or, or a short run certainly um, makes me feel good. You know, experts believe exercise releases chemicals in your brain. Um, I'm not Professor Mark Cunningham. I'm not a neuroscientist, so I wouldn't be able to kind of comment on that bit. But I know when I run around and have the crack with my mates, whether it's playing tag rugby or, you know, whether it's in the gym, you know, lifting weights or whatever it is, you know, I do come out of there buzzing. Mm. buzzing and I mean absolutely buzzing almost euphoric to the point where you know it's like yeah this, this is you know amazing and, and you know regular exercise does boost your self-esteem and, and it helps you concentrate you know it helps you sleep look and even feel better so like for me you know exercise also keeps the brain and your other vital organs healthy so it's so important to stay on top of that if you can you know yeah. and, 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 and it's not about doing you know you know, ridiculous amounts of exercise. Do what you can do. You know what I mean? Do what you can do. Don't be worrying about anybody else. You know, if it's a yeah. five-minute walk, it's a five-minute walk. You know, if it's a half an hour jog, it's a half an hour jog. If it's a marathon, well done you. You're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, do, you, you do, do, what, do what you can do. Yeah, exactly. What about yourself, Harry? How do you, do you think keeping active is, um, is important for your mental health? It's no denying. It's no denying. Um, and yeah, I've always been somewhat fit. Um, but I think what's most important, what I found most beneficial to my mental health is stopping with the like freaking timing every single five and 10K I do and mm-hmm. starting. I bought a Frisbee and I throw a Frisbee at my friend. And that is more beneficial for my mental health than a 5K or a 10K. So that kind of thing, like playing by. Like I started going swimming and like when well, I've been swimming, I've swum for like a couple of years and I've started instead of like trying to get as fast as I can to like have fun. And I noticed that my actual speeds went up, crazily enough, they went up when I just focused on having fun and enjoying it. And I went for four times as long as I would have when I'm pushing myself. So playing is so important, man. That comes back to, you know, playing guitar or uh, freaking, I don't know, playing the banjo, whatever you want, like drawing and playing yeah kind of getting out and I, I saw this tiktok a bit unrelated this fella he, he was overweight and he's always tried to lose weight he go to the gym and it just never helped mm. he picked up skateboarding he's always too embarrassed to go skateboarding he said feck it I'll, I'll, I'll go and mm. he's been losing weight every day just going out skateboarding you know he's not jogging he's not cycling so i think playing by playing playing soccer with nick said about tag rugby all that stuff and obviously it's hard you know we're in lockdown which is why i got the frisbee Mm. which I think, you know, I think wash my hands, you can play frisbee with your friends. Uh, Leo mightn't be happy, but sure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, man, just playing, by playing, like, try and play, like, every day or two, or at least once a week. Yeah, that's so, like, I think what both of are saying there, and I loved how you brought in, it doesn't matter what the activity is, you know, it's just important that maybe we're active, and 
I like I think what you're saying, Harry, about like numbers and times. Like I would have joined a local boot camp um maybe about eight, nine years ago. And through that boot camp, I've you know done half marathons and 10Ks and stuff like that. So, but I was always concentrating on the times and you know how fit I was and this obsession with numbers, you know, really became kind of dominant in that. And I forgot how to enjoy myself. So now I'm really trying to like what you said, you've got to frisbee I got a bike do you know what I mean because I really enjoy cycling it's fun and it's like you know it makes me feel like a little kid again and I'm going cycling with my husband Sundays and just introducing that play to maybe our activity and not making it so much about like oh we have to do this or we have to do that is really I'm finding that it's you know it's almost encouraging me to be more active and I know when I'm active I know 100% when I'm active and I'm getting out and I'm exercising those um, happy hormones or those kind of endorphins that are released just are so beneficial to especially my generalized anxiety disorder so for me it's just a really important one so the next one is just you know these are brilliant I'm, I'm loving these I know Mick you had a good influence on bringing up these topics but the next one is drinking sensibly I'm amazing so, at it I'm amazing yeah. at drinking sensibly no I'm joking I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm shit at it you know yeah. I you know, I, you know, we, we let's be honest. We all uh, drink alcohol to change how we feel. Some of us, some of us drink to deal with fear or loneliness or rejection, um, mm. and the effect is only temporary. You know, and for a long time, I used to drink quite heavily mm. because I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of just being isolated. I'd sit in random pubs next to fellas who would smell a piss. I'm not even joking you. I would sit next to them for hours, chatting to random. I didn't even know them. I'd go from pub to pub to pub to pub, just sitting with randoms because I was so afraid to be alone. And it's taken a long time for me to kind of, you know, accept that, to own that, to kind of really go, actually, you know what? This is not healthy. You know, that behavior isn't healthy. And that did have a negative effect on my own mental health because then I started to get anxious and you know started to kind of be afraid of nothing yeah. you know what I mean then my, yeah. my mental health ended up I ended up relapsing within my mental health I had to go back to hospital I was paranoid I thought the police were coming after me <laughs> it was the stuff you think when you're kind of going through that kind of that, that period of mania when you know mm. you stop taking your meds and you think oh do you know what the drink's doing me grand I'll be fine and the reality was the drink wasn't doing me any good. And, you know, I've cut back significantly now to the point where, you know, yeah, you know, I, I don't drink as much as I used to. And, uh, but that was a big kind of um, mistake and learning curve that I, that, that, that I came to the realization through kind of talking that through with my counselor. Um, mm. You know, we're really kind of talking about, well, why are you doing that? And, I, and then I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And they were like, but why do you do it? I'm like, well, you know, it's none of your business. You know, just go for the, you know, go for the crack, you know. Mm. Uh, but the reality was I was going because I was afraid of being alone. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people to kind of understand that they might be going through that trauma. They might be going through that isolation, that fear of loneliness. But, you know, it's okay to be alone. Yeah. You know, you don't need the bottle. Your answers aren't in the end, in the end of a bottle. And, you know, I think it's really important because I know a lot of academic, you know, especially if you're doing your undergrad, you know, your social life is centered around 
bars, pubs, clubs. Do you know what I mean? And you know, I just it's it's just really important to take that kind of um personal responsibility again to, you know, look at how you drink. And if you're happy with it, then fine. But if you're not, again, as I said at the beginning of this conversation with with with, with, with the two of you, it's about taking that personal responsibility to recognize areas in your life that may cause you problems. And for me, alcohol was one of them. Yeah, totally, totally um, identify and hear what you're saying there, Mick. You know, um, yeah, I just bring Harry in first and a little bit to say about drinking myself. Um, Harry, yeah, if you want to go first, sure. Yeah, I suppose for me, this is a really, really important one because um, I actually don't drink. I gave up drinking four years ago and I decided to stop drinking because of the detrimental impact it was really having on my life and my mental health and to the point where you know I was really really becoming um, quite mentally unwell because I felt I you know I'd always used alcohol since a young age I think the culture we we you know Ireland has a huge culture around drinking and a huge acceptance around I suppose abnormal drinking do you know what I mean and how we use it in our lives um, I know in my community and the working class community as well like you know drinking and binge drinking would be quite normal so I kind of learned from a young age that you know the dominant message I was receiving from the adult or people in my life was that you know if you have a problem or if you're stressed you have a drink do you know what I mean so I really learned early on that like this was probably a way I could cope with my emotions and how I could deal with my life and you know, I suppose it worked maybe sometimes, but eventually it kind of turned on me and I, you know, I would have started to drink in a very, very toxic way. You know, I never drank daily, but when I did drink, I found it very hard to stop once I started. So for me, it was really, really important to actually just become completely absent from um, drinking alcohol. And I found since then, my mental health has just improved so much. You know, it's really, it's, you know, as much as I still struggle with anxiety and mental health problems, I find that like taking the drink out of the equation has given me the ability to really to be able to um to deal with those problems. Do you know what I mean? And it's given, I don't think I'd be doing a degree in Trinity College if I was still drinking. I don't think I'd have the connections with my family and friends um if I was still drinking. So for me, not drinking is just so important for my mental health. And that's just personally for me, you know, I know other people drink, you know, can drink normally, but for me, I don't think that I can drink in a normal social way. So, Harry, how do you feel about drinking? That's, that's really impressive, Mary, fair play. Like it's so tough, especially in Ireland, to be a teetotaler, you know <laughs> yeah. too well. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't drink until I was 19. I didn't drink until my second year of college. Really, because I just didn't go out, so it just never happened. But like we mentioned earlier, coping mechanisms. My my coping mechanism has always been smoking weed, yeah. and like I would have struggled with weed, similar to how both of you would have struggled with alcohol. Yeah. And in first year, it was my coping mechanism. When I knew there was a bunch of stuff I needed to do, I I, I knew I should have been running, I should have been going to lectures, I should have been making friends. Really, it was making friends was the hard one. I didn't know how, didn't want to figure out how. It just, <laughs> it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Yeah. Terrifying, man. And so I just smoked weed. And that went daily for, that went daily for months. And then it would kind of go down and go up. 
literally like when I went back to Cork, I had my friends in Cork, so I wouldn't have it as much. And But it, it's crazy. I only noticed it when I kind of started writing it down and thinking about it. And it's just, it just didn't help me at all. It never, ever, ever helped me. It was like, there are times when I can, I maybe have a little bit out of parody and then it was good. And that, that was beneficial. And it's kind of like, they call it a social lubricant. Yeah. That's only a tiny, tiny bit. Like I would just keep going and going and going and going. And that's all just crap. And I wouldn't even remember then the night out. Wouldn't remember, like maybe my friend told me something about himself and his life, and I wouldn't remember because I was so banked, man. So and like it's it's only really been like even this summer when we went into the second lockdown, I was doing it every day. I'm hiding from my family. I don't think my family really knew I was doing it, and it, it's it's so hard to really stop. And I, I've gotten better now. Like I said, the journaling, journaling mm-hmm. helps big time, and the meditating, thinking about why. Uh, it's 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 hard, but. It's so hard. It's, it's an addiction. And addiction doesn't really make sense. It's like they're so hard to deal with those kind of things. So it's important, yeah, like I said, to have stuff you look forward to doing instead of drinking, like playing freaking frisbee, like, or, you know, yeah, guitar or whatever, if that's your thing, or art or that kind of stuff. It's so important to have stuff that you enjoy in your life and not stuff that are productive or good for your career or make your mum proud. Like it's, yeah. so important to have a good life and stuff that you enjoy doing so you don't you know cope with these these i don't know what you'd call them these, these drugs mm, so true yeah like i think as well i think i thought when i stopped drinking my life was going to become very boring now it's very boring now because of lockdown but before that i thought like i wouldn't have a social life or i wouldn't actually you know have any fun and i found like i'm so much more um, I have so much more fun now and I engage and even like you were saying about having those conversations with people I remember my conversations I'm more connected to those conversations and actually in them because even when I wasn't drinking I was almost nearly always thinking about another drink or I was almost worrying about what I'd said when I did drink so I felt very disconnected from the people so yeah I think that is um, even it doesn't matter what your addiction is if it's a mind altering substance and it's having a negative impact on your life I think as Mick was saying and yourself Harry taking responsibility for that and maybe looking at that and how that's impacting our mental health because I feel if we don't deal with that a lot of the other stuff we do around mental health isn't really going to have any kind of weight because I think that's one of the most fundamental things we can do for ourselves is you know look at those addictions and address them but um or you know just maybe we're using it not in a very healthy way and we can moderate and change it you know it's not always black and white either but um so the next one I'd like to talk about is um it's you know and I really like to get male perspective on this because you know I know as a woman it's asking for help I know as a woman it's almost easier for me to reach out to my sisters or my mom or somebody in my life and ask for help but I know you know from talking to male friends or maybe male people in my family this isn't maybe I'm making an assumption here and you can tell me, but is asking for help hard for you? Do you find this a difficult thing to do? Um, maybe Mick, if you can start us off. Yeah, I used to. I used to find it very hard, you know, because I hated everybody. <laughs> I didn't trust anybody because I grew up in an environment where I was, you know, rejected by my family. I was experiencing homelessness. I was going through quite a lot of trauma and stuff I didn't really want to address. So initially... I was the Lone Ranger. 
They didn't have anybody around me, wouldn't ask for help. And yeah, I didn't trust anybody. But the reality is none of us are superhuman. Do you know what I mean? None of us are. And we all, we all sometimes get tired or overwhelmed by how we feel or when things go wrong. You know, and if things are getting too much for you and you feel like you can't cope, ask for help. Pick yeah. up the phone. Give your mate a ring. Aunt, what's the story? Or whoever it is. Do you know what I mean? Ring your mates. Because, you know, or contact again. If you feel isolated uh, and you don't have uh, people you feel you can approach, contact your tutor. Oh, keep saying this till the cows come home. Contact your tutor. If you're struggling, that's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. And then if you can't feel like you can t- speak to your tutor, go and speak to the disability service. And they can signpost you to the best support that is available. Okay. Utilize that vital service that is free for students on campus. Because I tell you what, I can't get out. I think Declan, you know, sometimes, you know, looks at his phone and goes, what does he want now? I'm always ringing him. <laughs> Sometimes it's for nothing, just for just a general chat. You know, I'm ringing him, Kieran, James. I'm always on the phone talking to them. You mm. know what I mean? And there's no shame in that. You know, picking up the phone and going, look, I need a bit of support. I need some advice. I need some guidance. What do you think of this? Yeah. Nothing is too small and nothing is too big. You know, because they have heard it all before. Yeah, I think that's, that's so true. Um asking for help you know it's important isn't it if we don't ask for help sometimes the problem is just too much for us to handle on our own and just having that conversation with another human being just allows us to think you know more rationally about it but um harry how do you feel about asking for help is this something that comes naturally or easy for you or you know do you struggle with it oh yeah definitely not yeah and i suppose my anxiety would play in there part, partly why <laughs> Partly because in the past, I just, you know, like I said, like I, I'd lie to myself about who I was and I'd think like, no, I can handle this by myself when I very obviously could not. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, important. it's important first acknowledging that you need help. Or maybe it's not even help. You just want a little bit of an outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you just want to freaking, you just want to meet up with him. It'd be good crack. Like Absolutely. see what's going on in his life. Yeah. yeah. Stop instead of, you know, because you, if you're spending time by yourself, you're kind of stuck in your own head. And then once you're talking to someone else, or like I said, like playing guitar, swimming, frisbee, whatever, you're getting out of your head. And you're not, you're not, because if you start thinking about the same things over and over again, like especially with anxiety, it's just this ruminating that just builds up and your heart starts beating and it's awful. So yeah, accepting that you need help. Now, I've never really come out to anyone about my mental health. It's, um, I don't know. I just, I just haven't. I've never really asked someone for help. I've, I've gone, I've signed up for this therapy with the student counselling service, which is convenient. I might add that, like it's, it's like I only meet them once every two weeks for forty-five minutes. If you have like maybe more severe mental health issues, be sure you mention that to them, and they'll book you in more regularly. Mm. Um, or maybe they're not the best service for you. They're free and they're good for me. So asking for help, yeah, it's being honest yourself and recognizing that you need help. And you know, a lot of people have ego and they, they, they don't want to hurt their ego by admitting that they need help. How do you break down your ego? I suppose like that comes down to like sort of serving your community, you know, volunteering, yeah. helping those less off than yourself. And there's other ways to break down your ego. I suppose look up on Google. So I don't want to. Yeah. But, but yeah. 
that is, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, like ego and asking for help. But I think with me, I know asking for help for me is so important because um, I would have for a long time not asked for help. And what I really did is just worsen my mental health and make things and um, situations worse. And since I've started to reach out and ask for help, um, you know, it would have been just initially going to my doctor and just asking for help, you know, just asking maybe to refer me to a counsellor or, or, you know, maybe I need to go on medication and just building up that really good relationship with my doctor was really important for me, asking for help. And then, um, you know, and like family members, because I think sometimes with family members, you, you have, I know for me, I have this thing where I don't want to burden people. I don't want to, you know, put my problems on other people. Or I suppose it's an Irish thing, isn't it? We're grand, we be grand, we're all right, like everything's all right. But, you know, it's not always all right. And I think our families, we mightn't think that they can see us struggling. Um, but they know, most people that are close to us know we're struggling. And then when we ask for help, I think it's almost a relief for them because they're able to, you know, help us um, deal with whatever we're going through. And yeah, for me, this is a really important one. And I continue to ask for help because I always need help. You know, just recently I've contacted um, a therapist and I started seeing that therapist last Friday. And I'm going to, you know, I commit to six sessions anyway for now. And I'm going to, because I realized that, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff I'm studying. I'm studying to be a social worker. And there's a lot of stuff I'm studying um, in the content of my course that's quite triggering for me. Um, so I, you know, in wanting to be the best professional I can be when I graduate, I know there's work I need to do around my own childhood and my own, you know, maybe struggles in life. So, you know, I just think asking for help can be a really responsible, accountable thing to do for yourself. But uh, yeah, it's a great one. Thanks so much for giving us our insight into that. Um, so the next one is our second last one. So um, it's do something you're good at. So and um, maybe make of you start us off with this one. So how do you feel like doing something that we're good at is tied into our well-being and our mental health? I, I, I think it's it, I think it's vital. It's a vital part of managing your mental health. What do you love doing? What do you love doing? What activities can you lose yourself in? What do you love doing? What did you love doing in the past? Yeah. Enjoying yourself, believe it or not, helps you beat stress. But doing mm -hmm. an activity you enjoy probably means you're good at it. And achieving something boosts your self-esteem. So yeah. for me, I'm very good at eating cake. Okay? <laughs> love a bit of cake. Can't get enough of cake. I love drinking cake. Sorry, I love eating cake and drinking a big mug of tea. Love it. All right? That's something I'm very good at. I'm also good at rugby. I play a bit of rugby when I'm not injured. And that, that helps me feel fantastic. Mm. And, I'm, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. It just just fills me up with kind of um yeah just a real kind of sense of pride in myself you know what i mean because you, you, you hear a lot of time you got the people what are you good at i'm not very good at anything you know mm -hmm. and then you find out they're, a, they're they're an amazing artist or a photographer or they're an amazing dancer or they're a scot you know they can play the piano and you know a lot of people don't realize everyone is good at something you just have to figure out what that is if you don't know Reflect over over the next couple of days and see what you are good at and then enjoy doing that. And then maybe try to do something else that's a bit different. You know, I, I never hiked before. Um, and I remember dating this girl who was mad into the hiking. 
and sure, you know, fellas being fellas, <laughs> we go along with it because, you know, there are, there's, there, there are incentives to being in a relationship. So I was like, yeah, I'll go hiking. Hated it initially. Then I fell in love with it. Love it. Can't get enough of it. And now, you know, not now because we're in lockdown, but most weekends I would have done the Bray to Greystones walk. And it's only a simple little walk and it wouldn't probably even be considered a hike. But it's so beautiful, it's so picturesque, it's by the sea. And you know what? Walking by the sea, for me, there's something really therapeutic about that. Mm. So again, figure out what you're good at, fall in love with it again. Don't be afraid to take on new challenges or experience new things or even cook a different, a new meal. Mm. Everyone is good at something. Don't let anyone ever tell you you're not. Mm. I love that. That's amazing. And um, what about yourself, Harry? Um, do something you're good at. What are you good at? And how do you think it affects your mental health? That's a tough one because yeah, like you like like Mick said, you like you you wouldn't know. Like a lot of people don't feel they're they're good at some things. And I I'd be sort of similar. I wouldn't think I'm that good at anything because I always compare myself to people who are better than me. So yeah, it is important to stay take a step back and do stuff for the sake of doing them. Like for me, if you're playing Grand Theft Auto, I'm. I'm pretty freaking unreal at driving in Grand Theft Auto. I, I, I'd, I'd kill you in Grand Theft Auto, no problem. That's something you're good at then. Yeah, it is, it is, it is, yeah. Uh, Grand Theft Auto and a bit of Minecraft as well. I haven't played that in a while. Um, so yeah, that kind of thing. Um, even stuff I suppose watching YouTube. Like I love, like craziest thing ever, I love watching YouTube videos about the army and like special forces, operation missions, like stupidest yeah. thing ever, but I love imagining I'm one of those soldiers. So yeah, just... It kind of comes back to doing stuff you enjoy. Uh, mm. Basketball. I started playing basketball literally just because I, I, I like that feeling of getting the ball, getting a good three-pointer into the hoop and swish and all. So yeah, doing stuff you enjoy. Yeah, like, you, like you said, Mary, like you imagine you study a bit of this and it's those endorphins that you release when you do something good. Mm. And maybe you could talk a bit more about that. Yeah. I really, I really like this one. I suppose initially when I even read this, um, I was like, I went back when I was a little girl in school and you know the way they'd ask you that thing, what are your talents, write down your talents and I used to just go, I don't have any talent, I am not good at anything. So I always get that feeling um, when I when I hear that like what, what are you good at and I just think my first reaction is to say I'm not good at anything but I know that's not true, you know, I know there's many things I'm good at and when I don't compare it, as you were saying Harry, when I don't compare it to another person and how they do that activity or do that, have that skill, you know, I'm fine, I'm in good territory but I would say that the things I love um, are like, I love cooking, I think I'm a good cook, my meals are always received really well by my family, you know, I'm always asked to do Christmas dinners and, you know, celebrations, like to cook some of my you know, favorite dishes or my family's favorite dishes. So I dishes, I know I'm good at that. And I also think that um, this was a hard one for me to discover, but I did discover over the last few years, I'm really good at talking to people. Do you know what I mean? I have an empathetic kind of personality and I've kind of been able to use that with working with homeless charities and things like that and engaging with people that are maybe struggling um, or in crisis in their own life. So I, you know, I've learned that like that's, a good skill I have in communication is just being able to kind of touch base with people and you know talk to them about their life because I have had a lot of um, maybe ups and downs in my own life so I can connect with that pain maybe and that emotion so um and it's probably one of the reasons I'm doing social work you know because I believe that there's something that I have to offer other people and maybe help them if they're struggling 
so yeah I I think you know do something you're good at or you know just connecting with what you are good at has that ability to just make us feel so much better about ourselves doesn't it and yeah I really like that one so we're coming to the last one um which is caring for others so how do we feel caring for others helps our well-being and improves our mental health maybe Mick if you could start us off that'd be great yeah, I, I, caring for others is often an important part of keeping up relationships with people that are close to us. So it ties in everything we just previously spoke about. Mm. Keeping in touch with people, talking about how we feel, doing something we're good at, staying active, eating healthy. We do all we do all those things with people that we care about, people that we love, people that are a, you know a big part of our lives, whether they're family or friends. You know, one mm. of the things I do in the kind of reflect how I care about the people that I genuinely love and care about is you know doing things like cooking for them or sending them cards or dropping them a text going look you're in my thoughts if you haven't caught up in a while how are you getting on you know it's a really big part of uh you know your mental health because I think if you can't do that then you will struggle with everything else around you you know I think you will kind of you know you will struggle to kind of send that friend a text you'll struggle to kind of talk about how you feel you know, because I think caring for others kind of probably underpins everything that we just spoke about, you know, because it does kind of create, um, you know, a safe space and also a level of vulnerability that sometimes, as Irish people, we're not very good to kind of show our vulnerabilities, you know. Yeah. But it's really important to kind of, to not be afraid to be vulnerable with the people that you love, yeah. you know. And, and I think, you know, by sending a text, you know, I love you or sending flowers or sending a card or even just an email saying listen thanks so much really appreciate your support with all of this stuff that's caring for others yeah you know what i mean that's yeah. showing that you have an emotional intelligence to kind of recognize the importance of the people that are in your life yeah so that's why i think that's really important uh for all of us mm. So powerful, absolute powerful stuff. And it is in the simple things, isn't it? It's in the phone calls, it's in the messages. It's just so simple. But um, Harry, like, oh, sorry. Yeah, go on sorry, Mary. Well, no, I you're, grand. you're so right about the messages and the phone calls and the simplicity of it all, mm. you know, because it's not rocket science. Mm. It isn't rocket science. We don't need to spend hundreds of thousands on therapy. You know, the tools that we've just spoken about can enable you to recognize certain areas in your life that you can address, that you can speak about, that you can reach out and ask for help and support about, mm. you know? And I think, you know, what I would say to anyone listening to this, do not be afraid because you're not alone. Yeah. That's what, that's why the Ability Co-op is here. That's why we have a, a world-class disability service. That's why we have an amazing tutor service on campus. So if you are struggling with any of the issues that, that we spoke about, do not be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Yeah, that's a really important message. And thanks for, you know, you know, bringing that back into the conversation, because I think it's so important. So, Harry, like, do you think it's important to, you know, take some time of your day or in your week to, you know, maybe care for another person in your life? And do you think this helps your well-being? Definitely. Yeah, I think it's natural as a human to care about other people like I know I definitely care a lot about other people my friends and my relationships 
you know, and possibly to my detriment, you know, if, if, if you're in a toxic relationship, you know, like, and that, that's when you got to love yourself more than you love them. And which comes back to what we were saying earlier about doing stuff you're good at. By the way, stuff you're good at is if mm. you enjoy it, really. <laughs> you don't have to be work as you don't have to be better than your friends. If you're better than you, what you were before, mm. that's all that matters. I don't know if you enjoy it. That's really all that matters. But yeah, caring about other people, like it's just natural. It's human to care about other people. And it's um like it's like it's like these instincts by like like running, like you're 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 born to kind of run around and you're born to eat and you're also born to care about other people. It's human. So it's great to get it out and have outlets that you can care about other people, whether that's you know having a partner, and obviously, you know, you can like I like I got my partner a Valentine's card there. Mm. I love doing it. I enjoyed it. Mm. And it was, it was one of those ones here, the doodles. I'm gonna give a shout out to Art by oh, Murphy. Oh, I forget. Oh, Nimerku Art on Instagram. So yeah, so I thought that was fun mm. and I enjoyed that. You know, and it's also a lot of fun as well to reciprocate that, you know, and get it in return. So it's natural. Like I I enjoy getting my friends' presents with no expectation mm. to get them back. Um, because I enjoy it. I do it for me. I do not, like, I think Jesus said it or someone said it anyway, that if you're doing something good for someone in expectation of some return, you're mm-hmm. not doing something good. That's, that's called politics. <laughs> and so it's, so it's, it's, just, it's enjoyable. It's let yourself be nice to other people. And sometimes it can be like kind of awkward, you know, like especially for guys. Like I got one of my friends, I got him a chain. And I'm definitely the only friend to have gotten him a chain. You know, but I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed that moment of giving it to him and, you know, him putting it out. It's not Paul Mesco. So important. It wasn't Paul Mesco. Okay. No, it wasn't. So, yeah, I uh, think... so, yeah, it's so important to care because just for yourself, not for the other person, for yeah. yourself. I love that though. I love like this part because it's it's probably not one we think about that affects our mental health or well being, you know, caring for others. But I know for me, like I can use it as a really practical tool um, because I know when I'm when I'm thinking about another person or I'm trying to help another person, I'm less in my own head about my own kind of stresses or worries or problems. So I know that it's a, it's, it's a really great way for me to just kind of relieve some of that, you know, if I'm thinking of another person or I'm trying to help them and it's like really simple things. Like it might be like make me dare a stew and bring it down to them. Do you know what I mean? Because I know we love stews and and things like that or you know I just think for me it's just yeah it just makes me feel good and I think what you're saying Harry like that connection like it just helps us connect with the people that we love and care about Um, and for me it just takes me away maybe from myself a little bit if I'm really anxious about things it just stops me focusing on me and then maybe thinking about another person I love or care about and I know in the mornings when I'm meditating, I always set an intention for the day, you know, to be kind and compassionate to the people in my life. And I, I, I kind of, um, I add myself into that, you know, so I'm kind and compassionate to me. So caring for me is, is kind of what I need to do in order to be able to care for other people. And that really helps my mental health if I'm in that place where I'm able to do both. But um. Yeah, we've come to the end of our, our 10 ways to improve well-being. And, you know, and I've loved this conversation about our mental health. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel like lighter and just, you know, just feel a little bit better about having had this conversation. Yeah, I, I feel, you know, 
coming into this, I was a bit tired and a bit kind of, you know, do I really want to do this today? I would prefer to still be in bed, watch Netflix, eating chocolate and crisps. And that goes against everything we just spoke about. But the fact that we've just kind of, you know, spoken openly and honestly about our feelings, about our fears, about, you know, you know, a lot of stuff that kind of affects our mental health. You know, mm. I do feel a lot better for that. And I think that that in itself reinforces um, how important it is to kind of, you know, highlight the power of the, the small conversation. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I um, hope, like, people realise, like, that, like, that <clears throat> by us opening up about what we struggle with, that, like, everyone struggles with something. Mm. Like, there's a quote, it's like, everyone's fighting a war you don't know about. That's so true. Like, everyone, and we're so... In a way, we're all extraordinary, but we're so freaking normal, you know? Like, we're, we're just normal people, and this happens to everyone, everyone in the world. You know, so it's so important to talk about these kind of things. And just before we end, I'm going to shout out a couple of things that have helped me. I'm not expecting people to do these, but these have just helped me. Some things like cold showers. After a jog, I'd start with a cold shower. I started with 30 seconds, and I inch it colder, colder, colder. And now I'm able to do, like, 10 minutes. So, like, building things up slowly, meditating, that's helped me hugely. And building it up slowly, slowly, slowly. Uh, yeah, playing, we mentioned that. Exercise, uh, journaling. Um, yeah, they've all helped me hugely. Um, setting out, write, writing my to-do list for every day has helped me hugely. A um, couple of things quickly. Um, being grateful, writing out something I'm grateful for every day. So important. And um, yeah, goals, having short, medium and long-term goals. I find it hard to make long-term goals, but I think it's very easy to make like monthly goals and then like annual goals. So yeah, just a couple of things. Not expecting anyone. Look, pick what works for you. But they, those have helped me. Yeah, that they're amazing tips. And I would like I would say so 70, 80 percent of them, they're things I have I do on a daily basis to really try and improve my mental health. So thanks for sharing them, Harry. Like they're really important. And you know, just even if you can integrate even one thing, do you know what I mean? Of that list or one thing we've talked about into like this isn't, we don't want to use these tips or tools like as a way of beating ourselves up for not doing them. You know, it's really important that we're kind and compassionate towards ourselves and gentle with ourselves. But I think, you know, knowing that these tools do help and I've experienced them helping me in my life that it's uh, even if you can just integrate one or two to our listeners or you know as Mick was saying there's people to talk about you know please if you're struggling and these are really difficult times you know really difficult times so please reach out and if you don't have family members or friends you can talk to just people on college in college campus that can help you um, and the cops always here, you know, we're always a listening ear for anybody that's struggling because we are a group of students with mental health conditions and disabilities. So we do know firsthand what it's like to struggle. Um, so, yeah, unless anybody else has anything else to add. Um, we'll finish up. Just, just you're not alone. It's yeah. as simple as that. You are not alone. You're valued, you're loved, you're cared for. You know, you know, the support is there. Do not be afraid to reach out and ask for help. You know, because we genuinely care about any issues that you may be facing on campus. So if you are struggling, reach out to your tutor. If you don't think you can talk to your tutor about this stuff, reach out to the disability service. And if you feel like you want to talk to anyone within the ability co-op, reach out to us. Okay? Yeah. You're Thank not you. alone. Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Harry. This has been great. So... We'll end it there from the Trinity Ability Co-op podcast on the power of the small conversation um, and it's time to talk day. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks, guys.
And that's that. So I hope you enjoyed it. And we're serious, man. If you want to reach out to us, go on to our social media. Um, if you'd like to follow us anyway, we post some great content. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us by searching the Ability Co-op. And yeah, take care.